Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. Mark Levin has a new book, and he's a really bad historian. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. And listen, if you are interested in getting a great deal at McClanahan Academy, which is how you support the show, if you're listening in June of 2023, you want to use the coupon code JUNE at McClanahan Academy, which you've already heard about, and then go out and use that coupon code and get 25% off all McClanahan Academy classes. Prices go up in just a few days if you're listening to this at the end of the month. So you want to capitalize on that. It's a great way to support the show. If you're at brianmcclanahan.com, you give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly, and you get the coupon codes, right? So if you're on the email list, you've already known about this all month, and hopefully you've taken advantage of the deal. You can also support the show by uh, by going to brianmcclanahan.com and clicking on the support tab if you haven't bought a class at McClanahan Academy. By the way, it's free to enroll there. You get a free class when you do it. But you can click on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can go to Spotify for podcasters. You can become a member there. You can also click on the little super thanks button if you're watching on YouTube. But as always, rate, view, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can or comment for the algorithm on YouTube. And again, send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear, and that's what this episode is. I'm a little behind getting these things out this week. I've had some things going on, so I'm recording this the day of, which normally I don't do. But I was sent this uh, by uh, a listener and said I'd really get a kick out of it. He was right (laughs) on this particular topic. So, Mark Levin has a new book out, and uh, the title is The Democrat Party Hates America. Now, on the surface, that's red meat for conservatives, right? We've got, uh, th- that, that's something that's going to sell a lot of books. I mean, look, the title is ingenious. I- I'll give Mark Levin marketing credit. You want to sell a book, you come up with a catchy title, and people buy it simply for the title. It happens all the time. The problem with this book is that the history in it is really bad. Now, this uh, this article appeared at uh, Breitbart. It's written by Jeff Poor, who actually is in Alabama. And um, it's based on a monologue that uh, that Mark Levin gave over the weekend. And um, I find this fascinating because it shows you how deep the Claremont West Coast Straussian stupidity has, has seeped into American conservatism. It's really bad. These people have ruined American history. And I mean it. And they've ruined it because if this is the conservative opposition of the left, there is no conservative opposition anymore. At all. If what we're doing is running around championing, and I've said this on this program many times, if what we're doing is running around championing 
19th century liberalism as American conservatism, there isn't really any American conservatism. Maybe Lewis Hartz back uh, in the 20th century was right when he said, look, there is no American conservative tradition. It doesn't exist. Now, I would disagree with that. I think there is an American conservative tradition, but it's not what uh, people think it is. It's certainly not Abraham Lincoln. And we'll talk more about Lincoln this week too, but it's not Abraham Lincoln. No. If that's conservative, well, we're doomed. Because all you're doing is conserving the revolution of the 1860s, which, by the way, is ongoing. I mentioned it yesterday. I mean, this is what these people want. In the email I sent out yesterday, if you're on the email list, you would have gotten it. There were two articles back-to-back, you know, two days apart. Actually, one, one day apart. Two consecutive days from the Daily Beast. One saying that Juneteenth should not be a national holiday. One saying it's a national holiday because it's a day to talk about getting the Confederacy. I mean, nobody even knows what this thing is. But remember, it was Republicans who were all on board for having Juneteenth be a holiday. Why? Well, because this is championing Republicans. You see, these people live in this very stupid R versus D world. And again, that's red meat for most people walking around thinking, well, if we just get the Democrats, everything's going to be all right. What are you going to give them? Republicans? The stupid party? The morons that wouldn't vote to uh, to uh, maintain traditional American society if they wanted to? I mean, we see it all the time. There are a few good Republicans that will vote to do the right thing. But for the most part, when, when the masses go out, American people in the states go out and they vote Republican, unless they're talking about state and local elections, you're voting for a bunch of establishment hacks. And Mark Levin really is showcases the mental illness in some ways that is the establishment. And I'll talk about at the beginning. I mean, I've made fun of Democrats for doing this exact same thing that Mark Levin talks about at the beginning of this monologue. It's really stupid. So let me get into it. I'm just going to read you, I'm not going to read Jeff Poor's little introduction to it, but just read you what Mark Levin had to say about this. He says, I really believe in fate. And I believe God gives us a path to follow. And hopefully, we can find that path and follow it. And some people do. Okay, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that statement. All right. I mean, that's, that's vanilla. Some people are athletes. Some people are professors. Some people make sure we're fed. They're farmers. They're truck drivers. You name it. <laughs> wow, what deep insight, Levin. Me, for me, the path apparently is this. What's this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I spend my weekends and my nights and early mornings doing this. Getting these bags under my eyes. I don't sleep a lot. I just don't. Things worry me. Things concern me. Now, think about what's going on here. Now, so he's saying that my job is to come out here and talk to you about things that worry me and things that concern me. And, of course, if you watch the video behind Levin, you have Abraham Lincoln. Now... You can put any Democrat there, and they'd have Abraham Lincoln behind them too. What's the difference? You see? Uh, in fact, they would, they'd love Abraham Lincoln because Abraham Lincoln began the revolution. He began the left-wing revolution we're seeing. Now, of course, the Republicans of the 1860s wouldn't have agreed with a lot of what the left does. But they began the revolution. They started the process. That's why I said, even before that, you want to go back to someone who really began the revolution before that, it will be Alexander Hamilton. But those people, the centralizers, 
began the revolution we're seeing now, and it opened the door to all the things that we are experiencing in modern American society from the center. Now, this doesn't happen everywhere else, but when you start looking at extreme centralization, which is what all these people were, then you get the culture war on steroids because the states can't do anything about it. The real conservative bulwarks in America were the states. And I use this quote over and over again. John C. Calhoun. I'm a conservative, and because I'm a conservative, I'm a states' rights man. Calhoun knew what was going on. The centralizers, those in New England, who had a whole different agenda, and it wasn't just about slavery, had a whole different agenda than what they had in the rest of the United States, were trying to use nationalism as cover for real sectionalism. It's what George Washington talked about over and over again. In the next class of McClanahan Academy, in fact, is going to be reading George Washington. I'm really excited about this class because uh, Washington is so important to understand. But Washington talked about factionalism over and over again in subtle ways. Lincoln was a factionalist from the beginning. He wasn't concerned about the union for all. He was concerned about the union for his party, for his faction. That's not real nationalism. And what all these people are doing now, whether it's Levin talking about the right or the Democrats on the left or the Republicans on the right, whatever, if they're really on the right, they're interested in their own faction. They're not interested in union for all. A union for all would be so limited in power that the states would control all of the things that we often wring our hands over, that Mike Levin stays up nights, or Mark Levin, I'm sorry, stays up nights worrying about his wife will tell you that I have a pad next to my bed. I take notes about certain things that are going on in the country. So what? Does that make you special? It actually makes you mentally insane. To put a notepad next to your bed to write down things that worry you about the country? I mean, come on. There are other things, more important things, to worry about than that. And I think most Americans don't leave a notepad by their, ped, by their bed worrying about what happens in California if they don't live there or worrying about what happens in Massachusetts. So they don't worry, or frankly, unless you're a Yankee, you don't worry about what happens anywhere else in your, but except in your state and your community. Now, I could worry about those things, but more importantly, I'd worry about my family first. What's happening there? Not all this other stuff. People should write it, if they have a notepad to worry about things, write down things that are important to you and your family. And, you know, you take you are what you take in and consume, and this is something that, you know, people don't realize, but when all you do is consume negativity, that's what you become. People don't take the time to go around and see positive things in the world, and there's a lot out there for it. There's a lot of beautiful things in this world that people just don't pay attention to. You want to have an uplifting time? Put a hummingbird feeder out your window and make your own hummingbird food if you live anywhere near woods and you're going to have hummingbirds. And if you watch hummingbirds, it's beautiful. Or a bird feeder, any kind of bird feeder. Plant some flowers. Go see the ocean. These are things that are really relaxing and they ground you. There's beautiful things in this world. And Mark Levin just wrings his hands. Oh no, what am I going to worry about? <clears throat> I mean, I've talked about this before, how the left does this. This is, it's, this is, shows you that Mark Levin really is, in many ways, just another form of the left. They're two sides of the same coin. It's okay to have an eye on what's happening and know what's going on, but when you worry about things you can't control, that's just ridiculous. That's mental illness. 
when you worry about things you can't control. But this is his job, he says, to tell you all these things, all the negativity. And of course, it's the Democrats at the root of all this. He gets into that. His next line, I am a voracious reader of his, mostly history. Well, I don't know what history he's reading, but anyways, I'll get into that in a minute. I'm trying to figure out what's taking place. Who's responsible for that? For what? And that's all well and good. But if I can't communicate that to you, if I don't have a platform like this or radio or books, then really it is all very interesting. But what's the point? Now, in some ways, he's correct about that. But there is a point to this. He's saying if he doesn't have a national, quote-unquote, radio program or television show or writing a book, then what's the point in doing it? Well, there's lots of things. See, this is the inverse of how people should actually be thinking about these things. If you read this stuff, what's the point? You tell your family, or if they don't want to hear it, you go get involved in your school board, in your, uh, in your county council or city council. You go to your civics meetings. Go to your church. You talk to people there. You know how you change all this stuff? You tell people about things there. And as you do that, more and more people will come around to what's really going on. I had a friend of mine tell me uh, yesterday, in fact, we were talking about something. He said, you know, uh, I was at a, he, he was giving a talk to a group and uh, he said he, he made a point about, you know, what you need to do is go out and, and uh, work in your school boards. And he said, these two little old ladies were in the audience. She said, well, you know, yeah, our local city is the one that's responsible for our textbooks. That's exactly right. But Mark Levin will tell you it has to happen from the Republican Party, from the good old GOP at the center. We need to get Joe Biden. It's all Joe Biden's fault. <laughs> Joe Biden doesn't tell you what textbooks to use in your local school at all. There's none of that. You see, if you want to change things, you need to make Joe Biden as irrelevant as possible. In reality, you need to make Mark Levin as irrelevant as possible. Because he's a national voice. Right? So, I mean, I know people listen to this all over the, all over the United States, all over the world. But the fact is, um, what I try to tell you is go out and do things at the local and state level. Even if you're in another country, you can still make change there if you don't have a federal system. Or I know people listen to this in places they don't have our American political system, but you can still make changes. And it doesn't have to be from the top down. Just changing your, your town, making the culture better there, living a better life, being an example for people. That's a great thing. It's a great thing. And you're changing things little by little. You just have to think locally and act locally. And do it that way and not worry about what happens everywhere else. It's, it's Again, it's mental illness. and So I would say that, you know, don't be like Mark Levin. But anyways. So I try to convey it to you in as many ways as I possibly can here on the airwaves and especially through books. There's a book I've just completed, a project that's taken me really about 16 months, but the writing has been about 12 months. Morning, noon, and night. Yeah, I'm sure. They're scribbling on his notepad, morning, noon, and night, writing these things down with his ghostwriter next to him. <laughs> Between other responsibilities, and I said we have come to grips with something here. We, you and I, and that is, yes, American Marxism. But who is responsible for this? Doesn't just happen. Professors, yes. Ideologues, yes. Activists, yes. It's the Democratic Party. Now, look. 
The Democratic Party, the modern Democratic Party, is far left. And they are really a problem. Uh, there are a lot of Democrats out there, old Democrats, who are forced to vote Republican because the Democrat Party left them. Um, and, and Donald Trump was a 1940s Democrat. That's all he was. Joe Biden, except for listening to the people on the left, he's a corrupt 1940s Democrat. And he's interested in power. Joe Biden just wants to have president of the United States on his tombstone. He doesn't really care. That's what he wanted his whole life. So you look at what these people are. The Democrat Party of the 1940s is still in power, whether Trump was in office or whether Joe Biden's in office. It's just that you have these, the woke culture war that's taking place. Those people are left. Those people have, have continued. They're the radical Republicans of the 1860s just continuing to push the agenda. And they say it. I mean, you look at one of the most critically acclaimed history books of the last 10 years. It was a book written by a guy named Matthew Carp about John C. Calhoun and his foreign policy. You know what it is? It's the slave power thesis regurgitated. In fact, all of these things, that Mark Levin would agree with that. Eric Boner's book on the second American Revolution would be admired by Karl Rove. Karl Rove loves Eric Foner. The, the right in America love Eric Foner, the communist, right? And this is all that Mark Levin is espousing here, this kind of nonsense. He says, the Democratic Party has never accepted America from its birth to today. It's never accepted America from its birth. Really? That's amazing. But why is the next line, which is, I think, the funniest part of the entire piece. The Democratic Party was obviously in charge of the Confederacy. <laughs> so yesterday, I talk about how Juneteenth is about get the Confederacy. Today, on, well, on Sunday, which I'm going over today on Tuesday, Mark Levin is on the airwaves on Fox News talking about how we need to get the Confederacy. Victor Davis Hanson, I'm sure, will come out with a piece in some sometime very soon talking about how bad the Confederacy was. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. That's what all this is about, getting the Confederacy. If we just expunge the Confederacy, well, for those on the left, all the GOP are the Confederates. For those on the right, all the Democrats are the Confederates. This is how stupid American discourse really is. I mean, you can't make up this kind of stupidity. So he's reading history, and the Confederacy was all about the Democrats. Jefferson Davis was a Democrat. Most of the generals were Democrats. Mm -hmm. Were there no Democrats in the North? But they were the bad guys, remember. There weren't Abraham Lincoln, who wasn't a Democrat. The Democrats were people like George McClellan, the bad Union general, the Democrat. You see... This is their entire worldview. This is how narrow-minded and stupid these... Oh, maybe Levin isn't stupid in this way. He's marketing a book. This is what I've said about the Republicans, why they'll never stand up to the culture war. Because, you know, those are just Democrats. We don't need to have this beautiful reconciliation monument in Arlington Cemetery. Well, because those were Democrats. Let's just take that down. Those are Democrats. We don't need to have any kind of, uh, in the South, any kind of... Uh, remembrance of Southern history because those are just Democrats. They need to go away anyways. They're just Democrats. And you've got Dinesh D'Souza running around. And I haven't listened to the video yet, but talking about Andrew Jackson and 
The next class, actually, at McClanahan Academy, after reading George Washington, is going to be The Age of Jackson. We're going to get some pretty cool stuff with that, so you're going to look for that one, too. But um, the this is just complete, absolute, asinine stupidity. But, anyways... Ulysses S. Grant, a Republican president, sent the army down to put down the Klan. And of course, but I missed a sentence here. After the Civil War, the Democratic Party formed a group called the Ku Klux Klan. One of their generals did. One of their generals formed a group. Now, there's actually a book on the Klan um, by a woman named Parsons. And what she says is that the Klan was a fabrication of the North in many ways. It was made up. It was a, it was a boogeyman in their mind. There really wasn't much to it. Yes, there were these paramilitary organizations in the South, and the Klan operated that way for a time. Of course, um, it was supposedly disbanded. And uh, you know, when you go out and read some of the some of the material from that time, um, it's a little different than than um, than what you know the the later Klan became. It's not to defend the Klan at all, because that's uh, awful. But the fact is, you had these various groups in the South that were concerned about the political situations that formed these paramilitary groups, just like you had one called the Union League, which was a Republican-backed group, which would do the exact same thing, barn burnings and political violence. The South was a politically violent area after the war because you had, understandably, one faction that had gained rights they never had before, and they were going to fight to keep them. The other faction that had lost them, and they wanted to get them back. So you had this very messy political situation in the South, and um, I think all of that is understandable. But to put it just on the Democrats, I mean, because they're Democrats, this is just stupid. Uh, <laughs> what about the Union League? Who were Republicans who were, who were inaugurating political violence? Well, that was okay, you see. That's okay, according to Mark Levin and others, because they were Republicans. And they were doing the right thing. They're fighting for the right stuff. We're seeing a politically messy situation in the South. There's a lot of gray area in a lot of different ways. Ulysses S. Grant, a Republican president, sent the army down to put down the Klan. Well, sort of. Um, there's a really good book on Grant, and it's by Phil Lee. You want to get a non-hagiographic book on U Ulysses S. Grant? Get Philip Lee's book on U.S. Grant and read that. Uh, I think you're going to get the the real scoop on Grant. Also, his book Southern Reconstruction is really good too, and he talks about all the corruption of the Republicans. You know, this is why Hiram Rose Revels, the first African American senator, was very critical of the Republican Party. Wrote a note to Grant, wrote a letter saying, "I'm a Republican, but you all aren't anymore." I mean, look what you're doing down here. We're just you're just using black people as pawns in a political war. And who's suffering? Well, black people in the South are suffering because of this. You're not really interested in our welfare, our well-being. You're interested in getting votes so you can have your railroads and your banks and your tariffs. That's what you want. That's what the war was really about, about power, and we're just another pawn in that game. And that's the Republican Party. The same Republican Party that uses now talking points to try to get people to vote for them, but does the exact opposite of what they say they're going to do. Many, many times. 
It was quite successful until the Democrats took the House the next election cycle, and you couldn't get the support to do it again. You see, it's all the Democrats blocking all this good conservative stuff going on in the United States. Sending, you know, soldiers into states. Good conservative stuff. Then we had a period of segregation all the way into Plessy v. Ferguson. We had a private rail company in Louisiana that wants to allow blacks to ride with whites. And who said no? The Democratic Party. Then we had a period of segregation all the way into Plessy v. Ferguson. What Levin is conveniently leaving out there is that segregation actually started in Massachusetts and Connecticut. And it would be people that would be later called Republicans that were on board with this. I've talked about that on this show before. Segregation was born in New England by people who would be Republicans. And I, I love, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, I guess he's gotten smacked down enough now on this. He doesn't do it anymore. But he used to say, there's no Republicans that own slaves in the United States. Really? I mean, he's been shown many, many cases of that. The Republican Party said some of the most nasty, nastiest, racist things you could ever find. In fact, their whole point of the Republican Party was free soil, free labor, free men. And as Eric Foner has pointed out in the only book that he wrote that was really any good, a book by that title, it was free white soil, free white labor, free white men. The Republican Party was the white man's party. That's how they described it. The Democrat Party was the party of miscegenation. The Democrat Party was the party of race mixing and it's in the South where all that race mixing takes place. You want to be a good white person, go vote Republican. That was the whole message of the 1850s. I mean, this, this, all this stuff, as I said, Mark Levin is a really bad historian. Separate but equal, the Democratic Party. Segregated schools, the Democratic Party. Jim Crow, literacy tests, poll taxes, the Democratic Party. And I could go on and on. Well, Republicans also supported these things. I mean, that's Jim Crow again. Jim Crow was invented by people who would be Republicans, not Democrats, in New England. So, again, Mark Levin is just a really, really bad historian. He reads, a, reads mostly history, you see, and I've got to communicate this with you, and I need to tell you all these things. But today, the Democratic Party is a very chameleon-like party. It has sort of switched positions. Now it's the party of American Marxism, and it's doing grave damage to this country. So it's switched position. Before it was a bunch of racists. Now it's just a bunch of Marxists. It switched, he didn't really define how it switched positions. Switched positions from what? Were they conservative before, and now they're left? Well, so you're saying what they were doing before was conservative, but I'm confused about what you're saying by switched positions. <clears throat> I would say the Democrat Party of the antebellum period was the real Federalist Party with the lowercase f. They were interested in state powers and the original Constitution and uh, the things that Jefferson espoused, like taxes, public responsibility, limited federal government. Those are the things the Democrat Party was interested in. Is that what you're saying you don't want to be part of? I thought that's what Republicans were about. But no, the Democrats' party was all bad. You know, the Confederacy is bad. Well, I mean, they're just advocating a position in secession that George Washington even knew was possible, right? So that's how silly this stuff is. So I thought it was time not just call them out, as we do here all the time on Fox, but to do so in a way that is scholarly, <laughs> yeah, okay, substantive and brutal. 
because we're going to save this country. And I truly mean it. The Democratic Party must not be defeated. It must be obliterated. Is that provocative? No, they're provocative. So I'm sure this book is going to be really scholarly. I mean, really scholarly. And so I want to read this to you. This comes right out of the, of the box of, of a book I wrote called The Democrat Party Hates America because it's never embraced Americanism. It's never embraced Americanism. Now think about that. The Democrat Party, which traces itself back to Thomas Jefferson, never embraced Americanism. What is Americanism? I guess he's going to define it for you, but the way Mark Levin defines Americanism would be odd to many people. Is it the pro-Constitution party today? No. Bill of Rights? No. Private property rights? No. Individualism? No. They are for groupism. Capitalism? No. They hate capitalism. How about e pluribus unum? No, it's the opposite with them. They've been in critical race theory, promoting racism, enshrining racism. They used to be a party of women's rights. Now they hate women. The transgenderism destroying women's sports under Title 19, which was intended to support it as a civil rights matter. How about citizenry? They hate the citizenry. Joe Biden take, talks up foreigners even before they come into this country while he trashes at least half of the American citizens on a regular basis. Now, what he's looking at here, of course, I mean, he's, he's not incorrect about the modern left and what they really want. They do want to remake America, but where does that come from? Well, the 1860s. The 1860s Republican Party who wanted to remake America too. But notice this subtle thing. They used to be a party of women's rights. Like, I mean, that's that's what Mark Levin wants, a party of women's rights. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But when he phrases it that way, it makes you think that the 1840s, when you started seeing the Seneca Falls Convention and the leftists were pushing that stuff, Mark Levin's okay with 19th century leftism as conservatism. This is the point. Do they like separation of powers? No. Do they like the Supreme Court? Only when it does what they want it to do. How about the election process in this country? No, they want to destroy it. So what do they like about this country? Nothing. Just listen to what they say. This is uh, what I point out in the book. Quote, the Democrat Party hates America is not intended to be provocative, but in the Democrat Party-centric parts of our society, it undoubtedly will be. That said, it is not written for Democrat Party officials, politicians, media, sycophants, and activists, and surrogates. It's written for you, those patriotic Americans who fear for our country and its future. Again, this is all a, a uh, promotional piece. America is unraveling. Our founding and history under assault. Our families and faiths are being degraded. Individualism has been substituted for groupism. Colorblindness is now racist. Capitalism and prosperity are being devoured by economic socialism and climate change fanaticism. Again, this is all red meat for conservatives. He's, he's doing a good job selling the book. Right? But what does that have to do with the history of the Democratic Party? Classrooms have become indoctrination mills for racism, segregation, bigotry, and sexual perversion, and teachers' unions are hostile to parental involvement and critical decisions about the health and welfare of the children. Again, all this is not untrue, but what does it have to do with the 19th century Democratic Party? In America, free speech and academic freedom are shrinking, and the police state is growing and is monitoring and spying on citizens. That sounds a lot like the 1860s Republican Party. The government is banning and regulating more and more household products from incandescent light bulbs to dishwashers while creating shortages and driving up costs of others. 
Crime is out of control on our streets, public transportation, and schools, while police budgets are slashed and many prosecutors and judges collide with, I'm sorry, coddle violent criminals. Our borders are wide open to millions of foreigners who seek entry into the country as drug and criminal cartels ship killer drugs into our country by the tons and brutalize migrants by using them as indentured servants. The Democrat Party is responsible for most of this and much more. It seeks to permanently control our government institutions. That I agree with. So does the Republican Party. It's all about power. And I mean, I'm not agreeing with any of this other stuff the dem- modern Democrats are doing. It's, they're, they're very far left. The, the, the core of the Democrat Party is very far left. But, I mean, they're seeking to control by power. Yes, of course. The left always does this, as did the Republican Party in the 1860s. It's what they want. It's all about power. It's about power. It's always been about power. You want to know why? Well, again, read Calhoun. He's right on with it. Just as it dominates our cultural entities from the media to, to academia and to entertainment and science, it seeks to delegitimize any viscera of the, at the Constitution, including the Bill of Rights, the Electoral College, the Supreme Court, separation of powers, and so forth, which obstructs its ideological designs. But again, what does this have to do with the 19th century Democratic Party? Who I would say was more in line with what the Constitution was than the Republicans ever were. But yet, Abraham Lincoln... U.S. Grant. You see, what he's done here is is very skillfully try to say that the modern Democrats are what the Confederacy was. And if we just listened to Lincoln and Grant, then all of this never would have happened. But in fact, it's Lincoln and Grant that did it. He's skillfully, I mean, look, he's saying the modern Democrats are the old Democrats, which isn't true. In any way, there are no the old Democrats were pointed out by the Republicans as being conservatives. In the North, by the way, there were the conservatives. So, does Mark Levin not like this people? He wants to be the revolutionaries. This is the point. He, he's he's very confused in his history. It abuses the rule of law by targeting his political opponents for harassment, investigation, prosecution, even imprisonment. That sounds a lot like Abraham Lincoln. In fact, 30,000 people would say that sounds a lot like Abraham Lincoln who were arrested and thrown in jail during the war for those exact things. But yet Lincoln's right in the background of Mark Levin. You know, you got to have Lincoln back there. So it sounds a lot like you're talking about the 1860s Republicans, not the Democrats. On October 30th, 2008, when Barack Obama shouted to a crowd that we were five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America, he wasn't kidding. I mean, yeah, the revolution's ongoing, right? And it started in the 1860s. On May 14, 2008, when Michelle Obama pronounced that we're going to have to change our conversation, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history, we're going to have to move in a different place as a nation, she meant it. Of course. Of course they did. They were going to remake America. They said it. I said it on this. I said, uh, Of course, I wasn't in the podcast back then, but I wrote about it. Of course, that's what they meant. They're going to remake America. They weren't lying. Just as the Republicans in the 1860s weren't lying. Just as the, I, I might get this book. There was a book I saw in Barnes & Noble the other day. It was a, talking about the Third Reconstruction. I mean, this is now being published in books. We're in the Third Reconstruction. Now you can say that uh, the Second Reconstruction was the Civil Rights Movement. We're in the Third Reconstruction now. The third phase of it. And that's what the Obamas were talking about. And it's what really is going on here. And who started the Reconstruction period? Well, the Republicans. 
The Obamas are not alone among Democrat Party apparatchiks and their contempt for the country. In fact, is the, the rare top Democrat Party politician who regularly praises America and is sincere about it. They mostly talk trash. Uh, they mostly trash talk the country, I'm sorry, and smear millions of people. The examples are too numerous to catalog here, but it's, it's a party built on the demands and propaganda of revolutionaries, demagogues, and malcontents, and has a horrifying history of supporting the most contemptible causes, including slavery, segregation, the Ku Klux Klan, and even lynchings. So you see, all this stuff now goes back to that. That's the whole point. Uh, he, he, that's, a, that's a monumental jump in logic. The stuff you're talking about was what the Republicans were doing in the 1860s. They were opposing the conservatives who wanted to maintain a federal republic, who said, look, we've got state powers, we have these things. We... No, no, no. That's the bad guys. But it's just revolutionaries. Revolutionaries, really? You mean like Abraham Lincoln? Like the Republican Party? Indeed, almost from the start, the Democrat Party rejected principles and values of the American experiment. He just drops that and doesn't say how. No, they haven't. <laughs> no, they haven't. From the start? This is just stupid. And today it is the home of another anti-American movement, American Marxism, with its various ideological app appendages. The Democrat Party ruling class elites and activists are united in this revolution. As the title of this book declares, the Democrat Party hates America. Indeed, if you want to fundamentally transform something, you clearly do not love it or even like it. As I explained on my radio show, if someone says, I, I wish I could fundamentally transform my spouse that you obviously don't love or like your spouse. But what if you do not want to fundamentally transform America and love our country? Then it is important to speak the truth about those who seek to impose the will of the rest of us. On the rest of us, I'm sorry. So this is, uh, again, just silly. He says later on, this is the longest book I've ever written. Oh boy, I'm sure it's going to be a real great thing. It's the longest book I've ever written. I think it's the most important book I've ever written. And there is scholarship in it. If you have to talk about how scholarship is in the book, then it's probably not very scholarly. I mean, if you have to do that, well, there's scholarship in this book, like his books before weren't. Yeah, because they weren't really. But now there's scholarship. There's scholarship in this book. Yeah, I'm sure. A lot of great scholarship in this one. And there's a lot of history in it. Substance in it. Present day events in it. And the Iron Fist. <laughs> you can't make up this kind of stuff. You can't. He does it right here. There's scholarship. There's history. There's substance. Present day events. We cannot candy coat this any longer. People with want bipartisanship. They want to coexist. They hear it all the time from Republican leadership. The Senate from McConnell. I hear it from candidates like Chris Christie. I hear it from individuals like Chris Sununu and Asa Hutchinson. In my humble opinion, they do not comprehend what's going on in this country and they do not comprehend what we're up against. From our classroom, to our workplaces, to the border, to our economic system, to our faith, to our families, they're under assault. They're under assault as a result of the biggest political party in this country, the Democratic Party. Or the Democrat Party, he says. It's time to call what they are. The Democrat Party hates America. It's a phrase that we need to use over and over again. So, anyways. All right. Well, I mean, this is the funny stuff, but um, I had to cover this. So, it was sent to me. I had to get it out today. Uh, but it's just really bad history. There's, I, I guess I'll get the book at some point. Maybe I'll get the publisher to send it to me, and then I can review it. 
um, and go through it and, and laugh at some of the stupidity that's going to be in it. But when you have to talk about how scholarly it is and there's history in it, and it's probably not going to be very good. But red meat for, for Republicans, the R versus D stuff is really stupid because it's, it's deflecting away from the real issue, which is not just Republicans versus Democrats. There is no conservative party in America, not even the Republican Party. And you want to destroy anything, you got to get rid of both parties. They're really bad. But anyways, see you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.